1: thankful to be alive
0: of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong connected and joy-filled marriage and family my name is daniel lim
1: and i'm christina m
0: so thankful to be alive
1: completely literally thankful to be alive because it was a little sketchy there for a moment wasn't it
0: it sure was the day that we dropped episode 77 last week was the day we had a car accident.
1: Yes, not the one we previously talked about a month and a half ago.
0: Not the one that we talked about on episode 77 either.
1: We had another car accident.
0: Yes, now thankful we're all alive. Uh, what basically happened was we were going to eat Chinese food. <laughs> you wanted hot and sour soup. I did. And flat noodles. Right. And we were on our way to go there and then go see the Christmas lights. And then this guy decides to take a left while we're going through an intersection and accelerates right into our vehicle completely
1: and we were on a green light so it was definitely our turn to go but i don't know what happened i literally don't know what happened even as we got out of the car and asked him like dude what are you doing he literally just looked at us and he was like i don't know so like we said thankful to be alive um if you look on our social media in between show on Facebook or Instagram, you can see the pictures of our accident, and you too will be thankful <laughs> that we walked away. Especially our youngest, who the car impact, um, you can see his door literally should have been smashed in, and he it really should have yeah, been. he should have been a lot more hurt than he was, uh, but he wasn't. And if you look closely, you will see. The outline of an angel. Yeah, no,
0: we're we're not joking. Like right now, if you haven't seen it, look up at in-between show our Instagram. Just look it up right now because you are going to be amazed. We're not joking you. We didn't Photoshop this in any way. Look at the passenger door, uh, the sliding door on the driver's side. Zoom in, and you're gonna see the indent of a head and wings. Like it is
1: incredible. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. I when I saw the pictures, I was like, "Oh my goodness, Daniel. After the adrenaline has worn off and looking at it, I'm like, "Oh, we were completely protected."
0: Yeah, like how, how like how does a car make that? Now, all three hits if you're looking at the photo right now were done by the same car. That first hit was that car it then went and I guess twisted hit us there and then twisted around and landed at the rear of our vehicle so yeah we just praise Jesus for his protection for his safety for the way that he used his angels to bring about protection to us because yeah this podcast shouldn't be happening right now.
1: No, and I'm thankful that so far to this date, my concussion has not returned.
0: We're really,
1: really praying (laughs) against that because, oh goodness, if you've had a brain injury, it is not a fun thing. And so we weren't actually sure if we were going to drop episode 78, but here we are and all praise to God. So this brings us to today's episode which is titled Three Ways to Forgive When Your Wound is Still Open. And I think that's very fitting considering that we've been talking to our kids about this accident and and sorting out the emotions of anger, disappointment, frustration, all of that, especially pointed towards this guy. Our middle daughter is wanting to kind of shake him and be like, "What were you thinking? What were you doing?" And I think for the first little bit, we were definitely there, mm-hmm. especially hard to hear him not have a reason of why it happened. But through the process of learning to let go and bringing it before God, we are, even in our wounds, even in you know the aches and pains of the aftermath of the trauma, we are learning to forgive.
0: Yeah, definitely. That importance of releasing and walking through those emotions. If you haven't listened to episode 77, be sure to go back because it's going to be a helpful one. As we all have things that we are still dealing with, right? And when it comes to the holiday season, a lot of that actually gets accentuated and magnified. So that's why in this interview that you're about to listen to, you're going to leave with such helpful advice, especially as the Christmas holidays are around the corner, which means we're going to be seeing lots of family and friends.
1: Right. So we had the privilege of interviewing Sarah May. She is the author of her most recent release, which is called The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts. I love the back. It says, people always ask Sarah how she forgave her alcoholic mother. How do you forgive someone who wounded you so deeply, who carelessly brushed aside your pain, who caused such destruction? How do you forgive them when your wounds are still open and they show no remorse? So Sarah is going to share with us from her own personal story and journey of how we can continue to learn to forgive even when our wounds are still open. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi! Thanks for having me.
1: uh, Before we pressed record, we had a great conversation (laughs) about our dogs, and you know, you have a super dog actually that can open cupboards, and we have a dog that can open purses. So we have (laughs) lots in common already.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah.
1: I love uh, your book that you wrote called "The Complicated Heart," and it's really, you know, what when I first saw it come in the mail, actually, and I was like, "What is this about?" Because I know, you know, the complicated heart kind. It sounds like a romance song Or even a
2: country song right Do you know that's funny because there's a romance Novel called The Complicated Heart Okay
0: (laughs) Okay, we won't link
1: to that one In our show notes but
2: (laughs) And by romance I think it might Be like you know Something a okay. little so more so not
0: not the Amish not the Amish romance uh, uh, the uh, other uh, kind of romance. Uh, I don't think so.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully on Amazon, it's not like people who bought this also buy this. <laughs>
1: yeah, y'all don't go get that one. No. Okay. Get the one by Sarah May. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, so, please. Uh, can you tell us about your book, The Complicated Heart? Yeah,
2: it's um, it's it's the story of how I learned to love and forgive my alcoholic mother. But really, it's for anybody who's in a difficult or tangled up relationship. And so I wrote it because God had just done such miraculous things, like just done such really surprising and possible things out of a mess, things that you think can never get untangled or... um, be okay you know in emotionally or spiritually and um he just did such a work that I thought I have to tell this story
0: mm. Now, at, at the end of our, or later on in our podcast, we're going to ask you to, to talk about how you can forgive someone who's wounded you so deeply. Uh, but before we get there, at, w- at what point, because a lot of this is, I mean, this is your story, right? And and I know in the process of, of writing, there's it's, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to put it in words. And then for you to include your mother's journals in there as well. I mean there there I I can't even imagine the process that you had to go through internally to get to the point where you could write this down where your thoughts could be synthesized. So tell us about that journey and um yeah.
2: So I hadn't read my mom's journals while she was alive but when she passed away, I had, which is a whole miraculous, crazy story that's written in the book. But while she was in hospice, I had gone to her apartment and I found all of these journals. And so I read them all on the night that she passed away and the next day. And so I was like, I can remember driving down the Florida highway where she lived and just screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, why didn't I know just crying Mm. because it was so excruciating to, in a sense, meet my mom for the first time, like to really Mm. understand her wounds and her pain and where they came from and like her private thoughts and, you know, all of those things. It was very, very difficult. And so I knew I was going to tell her story. But I sat with it for a year first, just, yeah, just kind of sitting with it. Because, you know, I really wanted to honor her as well, like tell the truth, but again, not make it some gross, like tell all thing. So I wanted to tell the truth, but honor, you know, the threads in our life that cause us to be what we are, not because it's an excuse, but it's just an explanation sometimes. And um,
1: yeah, it gives you more of the history and background of it. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. And it makes you more compassionate, too.
1: That's really, really key. It's like, you know, seeing the story um, in somebody else's eyes and seeing maybe why they've done the things that they've done because you're hearing it from their point of view.
0: Yeah. I mean, after your mom had passed away, I mean, you're you're reading all this and had really begun to step in her shoes and and see things from her Mindset did that did that begin kind of rushing your mind through all the different scenarios and all the things that happened, and were you beginning to reframe those experiences or I mean t- tell us about kind of that inner journey of of wrestling through that, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that's really a good question. I will say after reading her journals, you know first of all her passing away and then reading her journals, you tend to look at things with rose colored glasses okay. like i've I'm much more fond of my mom now, like I have more, you know, I can, I can, I don't know, I guess I can think more lovingly towards her, you know, all of those kinds of Mm. things. But the truth is there was a really, really wretched period of time for me in which she actually was really awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my sister has not never did actually reconcile with my mom. And when I see my sister's pain to this day, It's so hard because I know how much my mom wounded my sister and my, and my sister did not experience any of that redemption or reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's like, it's very hard for my sister to, my sister is so kind and supportive and gracious to me, but I know it's hard for her to read my book, even though she loves it and will share it. It's hard because she sees it very differently. I mean, to her mom is still... Terrible And really screwed my sister's life up. You know, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But for me going back and writing the book, after reading the journals, I tried really hard to not have rose colored glasses or to have like, you know, the worst of the mm-hmm. worst either. Like just to really go back. It the, the, Here's how I can relate to it. Here's how I can relate it, I guess, to everybody. There was a period of time where, um, where God had told me to share my abortion story online And I didn't want to do it. I'd gone through healing. I'd gone through counseling, but I was really nervous and afraid. And my husband said, if God is telling you to tell the story, you just need Mm -hmm. to do it. And I remember the way I told it was I literally closed my eyes. I took myself back there, which was very painful. And so I was just crying and writing this story And I would say that is how I wrote The Complicated Heart. Mm. I I had to just essentially kind of like close my eyes, take myself back to that place Mm. in order to honor the story well and tell the truth without letting, you know, a bunch of the stuff I knew (laughs) later kind of come into the past, which you can't help it completely. So I really went back. So, you know, when I'm describing the bathtub scene where, you know, I'm looking at the Daisy razor and I yell out to my mom, you know, I'm going to kill myself. And she yells back, go ahead. I dare you. Like in my adult brain, I want to write, this is so stupid. Like why, you know, it's so needy sounding. Like, why would you do that? But in my 14 year old brain, I had to stay true to that. Like, that is what I felt. That is what I thought. And that's how I did it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care how stupid it sounds to an adult brain. That's like, well, I'm going to kill myself, you know, but then that's how I felt. So I had to really, really try to sort of write from that. Like, take yourself there and write out of that so that you can tell the truth. So that was, um, it was hard, but it was good. And it actually allowed me to get all the stories out in a really pure way. And then I I meant to say this, and I didn't say it to you guys yet, but the title, The Complicated Heart, really, I, I just think of, we're all complicated, but that title specifically, as I was reading through my mom's journals, I kept thinking... Oh my gosh, she was so complicated. Like she had such a complicated heart. Like in her journals, she's like praising Jesus and asking God to help her like be a good mom. But like in reality, she was verbally and emotionally abusive and laughing at us if we said she drank too much. Like there was no, there was such a disconnect. But towards the end of her life, as I watched her, like she did love the Lord. She just was so complicated. I mm-hmm. I often say it reminds me in a sense of Brennan Manning, not that my mom was like Brennan Manning, mm. but if you know his story, I mean, he struggled with alcoholism mm-hmm. for his entire life, but he loved the Lord. Right. And um, it's very complicated. It's very confusing to to us because we want to have everything be black and white and make sense, you know, but sometimes it just not So then the title The Complicated
1: Heart, were you referring to mostly your mom when you were thinking of that title or were you thinking of, you know, your sister's relationship with your mom or even your relationship
2: with your mom? Um whose heart? I guess were you right. aiming that towards? It took on a lot of meaning. So originally it was my mom. I mean, I immediately was like she had such a complicated heart and I was like that's the title of the mm-hmm. book. But then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I mean, really so many of us like as I was telling my own stories of becoming a Christian, but then battling with sin habits. Like that was my complicated heart. You could call it, you know, my sinful heart. But at the same time, I think about that word complicate, which is a botany term, which is about, and it's like this wrapped up tangling um, of itself together. And I think about how the Holy spirit is tangled up with the believer, you know, like his spirit comes into our human sinful flesh, right? But like, the Holy Spirit comes in and does this whole new work. And it's, it's, it's complicating, actually, it's wrapping around together. It's the whole what Paul says, you know, like, why do I do what I don't want to do? But yet we have this Holy Spirit who's guiding us and we surrender. And anyway, so it it just there's a whole bunch of things that it sort of took on, you can go a lot of places with it. And I, tend to do that especially with the thistles on the front it's a it's actually a milk thistle which it's painful to get to the milk thistle because of all the thorns it will hurt you but it's actually extremely healing and so that's another part of it is that when we face our pain that is when god will begin to set us on a healing path and begin to set us free but we have to face the wounds we have to face the pain in order to do it so there's actually so much depth and meaning i'm so sorry about my dog no (laughs) i
0: was about to say i was like man your focus is incredible (laughs) <laughs> Cause,
2: cause it's. I'm working so hard. You have a party no back idea. Back there. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: This is good. so abnormal for oh, them. Like, good. I'm so sorry. Am okay. I Listeners, people who are listening, this is just super real life <laughs> right now. Go?
0: Do you remember, sir? Sir, do you remember that BBC interview where that guy? Oh um, yeah. His kid yes, comes and in? the little yeah.
1: girl, his daughter, yeah. walks in, and
0: yeah. his wife oh wasn't my wearing
1: pants. I think that was the one that like people were like I'm like I don't remember the, the- mom. Oh, that's hilarious! The mom hilarious. was like crouching down and grabbing the yeah, daughter, yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, true mom hero right there. But did
0: you? But did you see the the parody that someone did on that whole thing? So, no, I didn't see okay. the parody.
2: I saw the actual video. Okay, so
0: so that obviously happened, and then there's this parody, and we'll have to put it on the show notes. Uh, but there's yes. this parody where this mom is being interviewed. Okay, so it's it's a joke, right? But the mom is being interviewed instead of the guy, and then. Uh, Her kid comes in and when the kid comes in, she gives him lunch and she cares for them. Baby comes in, she feeds the baby, (laughs) all while conducting the interview, you know, not like nothing's happened, you know, take care of the dog, everyone.
1: Right. (laughs) The complicated life of a mom.
2: (laughs) That's so accurate, actually. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. And that guy, like he didn't like break a. He didn't smile. He didn't like break a sweat. I would have at least probably started to giggle. Yes, Yeah, I know. exactly. For sure. Or been like, hey, baby. And been like, I'm really sorry about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah,
0: no kidding. Okay. All right. Yeah. We
1: didn't even like acknowledge
2: No, no. It, it was like,
1: I don't even know who What's these going? people are.
2: they <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. are not with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get this baby out of here. Who does it belong to? So my dogs are just being really psychotic today, everybody. And um, we're just going to go yeah, with it, yes. totally I guess. Yes, exactly.
0: Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends, and will learn all about biblical life lessons, such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Okay, so Sarah, on the back of the book cover, there's a question that grabs the reader's attention right away. And, And here it is. How do you forgive someone who has wounded you so deeply.
1: Oh, million-dollar question. Oh, my goodness.
0: you know, we're about to enter this time where what therapists and counselors call the most stressful time of the year, right? It's the holidays. We're surrounded by people, perhaps our family, that we may not usually see, we might not even want to see, (laughs) or maybe maybe it's even that we try to avoid them, but because it's the holidays... Uh, we have to see them even though we're dealing with this kind of hurt. So the drive over or they're coming and you're like, oh, I really don't want to see them. And there are these arguments and all these inner emotions that haven't been dealt with or you're trying to figure out how to do. So we'd love for you to share with our listeners uh, some of the ways you've learned to forgive someone who's wounded you so deeply.
2: Yeah. And I'm going to even take it a step further and say, how do you forgive somebody when your wounds are still open? Oh, so yes, let's say they're yes. still wounding yes, you because yes, yeah. that's a big sure. one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's three really significant things that I would encourage everybody to do, especially if it's around holiday time. Um, and some you're not going to want to do and some are pretty necessary if you want to be sane. Um so, the very first thing that I had to do is I had to figure out what was true and what wasn't true, because the relationship with my mom was very uh, manipulative, um, and there was uh, it, there was gaslighting. This is a term that we are starting to hear in regards to politics, but gaslighting, you know, this happens in relationships where one person essentially through psychological means, whether on purpose or not on, you know, intentionally or unintentionally makes the other person question their own sanity. And so with my mom, I never knew what was up or what was down, like what was true or wasn't Hmm. true. It was very confusing. She would tell me, Like she she loved me, but then also be telling me I was ugly with my braces on or like when I told her how hurtful she was as an alcoholic, she just laughed at me. I mean, just these tiny cues of like you're not seeing this clearly or if she would batter you, batter you, batter you, like cut you down with her words, sarcasm, just tear you apart. And then when you finally were like, whoa, stop she would get real calm and be like, why are you yelling at me? Like, why would you yell at your mother? Mm -hmm. And very confusing as a teenager because then you start to question your own, like, am I just making a big deal? Am I too sensitive? Like, oh gosh, I guess it is my fault. Like, I shouldn't talk to my mom that way. Like, very confusing. And so not only are you feeling crazy, which makes you burn with rage and hate yourself at the same time, you beat yourself up for it. But you begin to believe a lot of lies, like you are not worth being taken seriously, like you're clearly not good enough. You're so stupid, you know, like you're so overly sensitive, like all these things. And so um, after coming to know the Lord, God led me to um, a wonderful mentor who began to teach me about this concept called core lies. And we don't have time to go into it, but it's in the book. But it's essentially this idea that we all have these very deeply embedded lies that we believe. And it's super important that we learn what they are so that we can begin to replace them with the truth. And I'll just, three real quick ways to start to identify your lies. Your core lies are um, when you fly off the handle about something, somebody probably just stepped on a landmine Mm -hmm. in your heart, which is triggering a lie probably. Um, If you get really depressed and I'm not talking about like a chemical depression, but like a circumstantial depression, like something is setting you into that motion of depression or anxiety, like you're feeling very, very fearful. And again, I'm not talking about like a brain issue. I'm talking about something that immediately begins to cause anxiety or fear in mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. because of a situation that happened like we call it triggering now. Right. Those are three things to look for. Pay attention to what it is that is setting you off and almost always there is a lie there. You'll also know if you make a vow like I would never or I will never. That's another clue that you want to look and go what am I believing where I'm not actually trusting God for the truth of this. Oh, well, so tough. I wish I could go into that yeah. more because it's super super powerful but it is in the book. Um so I had to begin to know the truth and the truth of who I was and that nobody had the the authority to tell me who I was but God. And that my worth and value and identity comes from nothing or no one. It only comes from the Lord. And so if somebody doesn't like me or they call me a name or they want to criticize me, I can just be like, you know, sorry, you feel that way. Like it hurts, but I don't have to live in that. That's not who I am. So again, I wish I could go into that more, but we don't have time. So really powerful to replace the lies with the truth. The second thing is you're going to have to learn how to set boundaries. Um, This is really easy to say and super duper hard to do. But as an alcohol counselor told me once, um, I was talking to him about my mom and how we would get in these terrible rhythms on the phone and I could never get off the phone with her. And he said, if I have a ball in my hand and I throw it to you, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to catch it. And he goes, then what? And I said, I'm going to throw it back. He said, okay, so you've decided to play the game. He said, if you don't want to play the game, don't throw the ball back. And this was my first experience with boundaries and boundaries are just what will you tolerate and what will you not tolerate? Mm -hmm. And they're really, really important. And again, I go into this deeper into the book, but Especially around the holidays, like you need to make a decision. Like, what are you okay with? What are you not okay with? And you need to be secure enough in who you are and where you are and who God says you are that if somebody's mad at you or your family's upset at you, like you can still be okay with that and you can still be kind to them and just be like, well, we're not going to do that this year. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, we can come for three hours, but then we have to go. I actually stopped going home to my dad and my stepmom's house because she, was not kind to me. And I finally was like, I'm not going to put myself in this anymore. And I, it was very hurtful to my father, but I had to say to my dad, like, dad, I love you so much, but I cannot put myself and my children in this situation any longer. Mm. And my husband supported me. And so we just stopped going. And so, you know, we have to make decisions that are really, really hard at first, but eventually will set you free. And they're showing the other person, because the hope is that, The hope is that they'll repent, like that they'll change. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they will, but you can hope for it. You can pray for it. Mm. But either way, you're going to protect yourself and your family. And you're going to say, this is not okay. Right. So um, quickly that you're talking about how your counselor was like,
1: you know, what are you going to do? You're going to throw the ball or are you going to? catch it and kind of keep it. So practically speaking, like let's use the example that you were saying um, that you're not going to go to see your stepmom and dad. Like what part of that would be, would that be throwing the ball back or would that be catching the ball and kind of keeping it?
2: So in that sense, so with that story, that was really specifically related to the way my mom would talk Mm -hmm. to me. So I would like have to learn how to hang up the phone with her and say, like, I will not tolerate you talking to me that way. However, it's the same thing in going to somebody's house. Let's say you go to your in-law's house and the mom is really cold towards you or passive aggressive. You can decide what you'll tolerate. Like sometimes we can tolerate, you know, through grace, we can tolerate a little passive aggressiveness Mm -hmm. and just kind of like let it roll off our back. But if it's something that's constantly triggering you, then- to throw the ball back would be to put yourself in that situation and continue to let it happen. Like, so maybe you argue with the person or maybe you say like, you're really hurting me. Well, that's not going to be effective because this person is thriving off of that Mm. or they're making you feel guilty or whatever it is. So to not play the game, you would say, you would either decide, I'm going to be okay with some passive aggressive comments and I'm just going to let it roll off my back and, you know, we'll just let Grace cover this. Or if it's really bad or it's affecting your children or it's something worse, you can say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, we are not able to come to dinner this year. Or you could say, Hey, we have to go at this time because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so it's, does that make sense? You're, it's really important to sit down with your spouse if you have one. If you don't have a spouse, you know, just, talk with some safe people who maybe can like support you because setting boundaries is really hard. But once you do it, oh my gosh, you will breathe the biggest sigh of relief. Okay,
0: okay. so if I understand you correctly then, Sarah, because I know we all have people like that, right? They're friends or family members that we just don't jive or get along with. And so so what I'm hearing you say is it's not an immediate close the door, cut the relationship off. There's, there's this process of extending grace, but, but making sure that there's, yeah. I mean, give us an example, even of, of maybe I know, I know that's kind of difficult because every relationship's different, but yeah. How would you go about creating those? So the
2: first question that you need to ask is what am I okay with? And what am I not okay with? So if I go to this person's house, I know they're going to, let's say they always make comments about your weight let's say this person the reason you don't like being around them is because they're constantly nitpicking you on what you look like or what you wear or who you you know or or your weight or whatever okay. this is where you are going to have to figure out like is this something i can tolerate that i'm okay to ignore because i know who i am and this is not going to affect me i've dealt with this in my own heart like i know the truth You know, so that's one way you could do it. If you feel like you can do that because you want to maintain a relationship. Another thing you can do is you can say like, and this is really hard and this is where you need people supporting you, but you can say, you may not talk to me that way, or I really do not like you talking to me this way. So if you're going to talk about my weight, I am not going to come over anymore. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you decide that you're not, if you're willing to not do that, then I will happily And joyfully come and spend the holidays with you. So we, and these are hard things, but you know what? We can do hard things. We really, really can do more than we think we can do. And you'll be terrified to do it at first. But again, once you do it, and once that person knows, like, it's okay and it's okay if they don't like you and it's okay if they're mad at you like and it's okay if they call you names because they don't get to tell you who you mm, are right. they do not get that right and so we have to be willing to sort of be adults i think in a sense and be willing to face the hard things and if we and if we really don't want to be in that position because it's just too triggering or too painful mm-hmm. then you have every right as an adult to not go yeah. You don't have to go. Or again, you can just go for a short amount of time. There is a person in my life that I dread seeing, dread seeing them. I have thought so often of like, should I call them up and like confront them Mm -hmm. or blah, blah, blah. But then I think it's just not even worth it. And if a time comes where I have to see them, that I'm just going to have to be a big girl and be like, you know what, Lord, you are with me and it is okay if they don't like me and I can still go forward. One more little example. There's another person in my life who I love so dearly, so dearly, but says all sorts of crazy stuff that I do not agree with. And it drives me absolutely insane. Oh, my gosh, it drives me nuts. But I love this person so dearly that I go and I just don't say anything. Mm. I just kind of keep my mouth shut and I just maintain this relationship because this person doesn't know the Lord Mm. and I'm, you know, and I'm just going to love them. I'm going to love them. And it is, it is okay for me to do that. So this is all very personal. Right. And it's all really what we are willing to do and not do and take and not take. So, but it's important to address it. It really is. Or you're going to be miserable the rest of your life.
1: And I think Sarah, what you're saying is so powerful. um, Even to me and our listeners, the fact that you're saying obviously show grace. That's what we're called to do. But also, like, don't be a doormat.
2: That's right. And if you need to to get away from a person or people for a year mm-hmm. and not visit them, or a couple years to get your clarity and sanity, that's okay. I took six months away from my mom I ha- because I had no idea what was up and what was down. Right. Like, I needed major counseling. I needed to just stay away because if I started to get tangled, I would get confused again. So- you know, if you need to get clear, get clear, because the point is, you're not doing it just to be like selfish or a jerk. You're doing it so that you can re-enter the relationship in order to love the person and or be healthy and protect yourself in your family. Because um, we don't always have to re-enter a relationship depending on the abuse. Right. Here's a or, or just situation. Here's another really quick thing to remember. So often with family or in laws or whatever, we revert to being the little child that was hurt or scared or whatever. And we do that without even meaning to. And so one thing that's really helpful is that when you're around those people who make that little girl or little boy come mm-hmm. out, right? Where you start to, like, we say all the things with friends and then we get around the people and all of a sudden we're like a child again. Just remember that you're, that you're not. That, number one, that that child is safe. Mm-hmm. But number two, that you are an adult. And you get to make these decisions. You are not that little child anymore. And I think that's really empowering for people to remember, like, you may feel like that little child again, but you're not. And you and you can leave. Wow. You don't have to stay.
1: Oh, Sarah, that is so powerful yeah. for sure because mm-hmm. it is easy, right? When we, we kind of revert to our roles, um, our previous roles as we are with yeah. our
2: family. I still do yeah. it. I still do it. And I have to remind mm-hmm. myself that I'm an adult right. and that I am under the power and protection of God and I can do what so I want. want.
1: <laughs> and it's really good too. It's like, you know, we are raising children who will eventually be adults that we need to remember yeah. that mind frame as well of, you know, um, when they're in, in our house as adults, we're not... Going to treat them yes. as babies because even though they were babies in our house before, that's they have true. grown up and they that's have their true. own personalities and their own opinions. That's right. And we'll need to set their own. Let them make their well. own decisions.
2: Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. And real quick, because I know we're running out of time, the third thing that I would say that is the most crucial, in my opinion, is mourning our very valid losses. So the process, mm-hmm. so grief, is the process of facing reality and letting go of expectations. So if you, yeah. So if you, so for me, for example, with my mom, the reality was I did not have a mom. Like she wasn't, she was not a mother. And I had to mourn the loss of her as though she died because that was the reality. The truth was I did not have a mother, but what that, and then what you do then is then you, you let go of the expectation. I had to let go of the expectation that she would mother me Hmm. and that was agonizing and it's painful and we all grieve in different ways, but it's worthy of grieving because that's not how God made moms. That's not how God made dads. We're supposed to have that nurturing, loving relationship, but we all know that doesn't always happen. And so we need to mourn. It's a very valid loss. And so we mourn it. The caveat here is we don't ever mourn what God may yet restore. So we don't mourn the future Hmm. because that's where hope is. Right. And so, right. But we can mourn the reality of what is. So mourning my mom, releasing her from the expectation that she would treat me kindly or like a daughter, allowed me to see her as a human made in the image of God in need of love. That allowed me to stay in relationship with her because I stopped expecting anything from her. And I just decided with boundaries. I will continue to love her and be able to forgive her. And I will love her as somebody who God loves and wants to reach out to. That's huge. But I will not expect anything. That's exactly right. And it's very difficult. You have to go through a period of mourning. I mean, it is painful. Mm-hmm.
0: So what I'm hearing you saying is is the importance of mourning the past, setting boundaries for the present, uh, but still having hope for the future. Amen. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. Sarah,
0: thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. The the she Sarah May is the author of the Complicated Heart, host of the Complicated Heart podcast. Uh, If people Mm -hmm. want to connect with you online, social media, what's the best way to to connect with you?
2: Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at sarahmaywrights. It's S-A-R-A-H-M-A-E-W-R-I-T-E-S. Or you can just go to sarahmay.com or thecomplicatedheart.com. Perfect. It's really easy to find me. (laughs) Not complicated
0: at all. It's really not complicated to
2: find me, (laughs) except for knowing that my name has an H and it's (laughs) M-A-E.
0: That's awesome. Well, we'll put all those links in the show notes. But thanks again, Sarah, for being with us.
1: That was a lot, wasn't (laughs) it? She taught (laughs) us a lot. And I know she kept Mm. saying, I wish I had time to go on. I'm like, yes, I wish you had time to go on. Mm. But have no fear. All of what she's talking about and exercises are in her book. Once again, it's called The Complicated Heart by Sarah May. And you can find that book and pick up that book wherever books are sold. I wanted to read this little excerpt that I underline and I starred all across as I was reading it. So this is from her intro. There are miracles and surprises and gifts even in the middle of the pain and the mess and complication of it all. Dysfunction does not have to be your legacy. You may have been born into it, married into it, or created it yourself, but it does not have to be your destiny or your identity. Victory is always on the table. Oh,
0: I love that. Especially as we're coming up to Christmas and I'm sure there's relationships and individuals and things that probably came to mind as you were hearing Sarah talk through her book and answer these questions. So yeah, that's coming up next week, isn't it?
1: Exactly. So if you've been listening to this episode and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to approach this. I love Daniel, what you said at the last little bit to sum it up. So we need to mourn the past We need to set boundaries for the present and have hope for the future. So as you go into those holiday gatherings, whether it's with friends or family or people who you should feel close to but are actually strangers maybe in your life, remember that victory is always on the table.
0: So, be sure to go to slash episode 78 for all the related resources on our show notes. And also to go to Inbetween Show at Inbetween Show on all the social media accounts to see that picture of the angel <laughs> to connect with us if you haven't yet done so. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet done so to our podcast. It's free to do it because next week, yes, on December 24th, we are going to be releasing a new episode
1: it's called the five love languages of finances and you may think what do finances have to do with christmas well just the number of likes that we saw as one of those facebook memes came up saying that oh on december 25th all the husbands get to look around and be surprised at what they got their children because you know what it's the wives that are doing the shopping right (laughs) but guess what should it really be should it Oh, that one so person know. is spending all the money and making all those decisions. Is it, should it be?
0: We've gotten better. But I am still See? always amazed yeah, on is. Christmas. So there you was go. Like, oh, wait. You got them that one? Or the my parents got them yeah. that one? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So there you go. You're going to listen in about Christmas and beyond the five love languages of finances.
0: Yes. So make sure you don't miss that. Hey, and one more thing. One more thing. If someone came to mind as you listen to this episode, would you hit that share button on your podcasting app? It's super easy. Just hit that, text the episode right to them, or you can just text them the link inbetween.org slash episode 78, and we'd be honored if you shared this episode. All right, we will catch you next week. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast